Recording for 97.3 KEPW, this is Aisha with Black Girl from Eugene. We are logging into Facebook Live now. Hello, welcome to Black Girl from Eugene. This is Aisha Elliott, and I am here live, um, and I haven't been live for some time, so this is kind of exciting for me. Hey, y'all! Um, I'm going to wait for a few people to come on. I'm going to turn my volume down here a little bit. See if that helps y'all on the audio side. Um, today I have my guest Claire Snyder from Black Joy, Oregon, um, and uh, we are going to be talking about mental health um, and purpose. So this is going to be a good one, especially with the ideas around uh, mental health. Black women, black folks. Um, we will share some story. Right now, at the moment, I'm waiting for her to come on. I would love, as I'm waiting for her to come on, um, is to uh, advertise again for my Patreon. I have been doing videos, private videos, for the donations of $10 a month and up, and um, all $5 a month just supports the podcast, which is golden, and then $25 a month will get you a 30-minute permanent Q&A session with me every month. Um, that's happening at patreon.com black girl from Eugene underscore one and I will have that in the show notes um, as well there are some really cool things happening in the Eugene area that I will also have in the show notes um, and with some of our local uh, supporters and Willamette Race Network um, WRN is doing um, horseback riding for children which is going to be super cool oh no sound hold on Let's see here, no sound. That is insane. Just a second, one moment. All right, fix that sound problem. Okay, so if we've got Claire coming on. Claire? Hey, Claire! Hi! How are you? Good, let me back up a little bit. I'm too close to my camera. I'm gonna try to put my, my I know, we're like adjusting. I'm going to try to put my microphone closer because I feel like you might be quiet. I don't really know. I never know until afterwards. I'm like, oops. Too quiet. Too loud. I was going to say, can you hear me okay? T say that again. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. You're coming up good. Yay. Right on. All right, sis. Now, you guys don't understand. I was just giving like a little announcement to my Patreon and blah, blah, blah. And, but y'all don't understand. So normally what I do is that I, we will, during the week, I never, I never address, like, I never change the way that the show is going to happen. Like, I don't give, we, we talk about a topic and then we just go, what are some points where you want to, don't forget, and then we just show up. So Claire and I just, you know, we just out here raw. <laughs> we didn't even, we didn't even, like, meet up beforehand. We said, what are we going to talk about? Let's talk about some mental health. Let's talk about purpose. Sounds good. See you on Sunday. So y'all getting us like straight up off the top of our heads. This is raw thought process. This is us in the flesh. This is us, right? Yes. Okay, and I know Julianne, I know Julianne's not here, but you are a part of Black Joy. That's how we met. And so I want to congratulate y'all. And Julianne, if you're watching, everybody a part of Black Joy, congratulations on your $50,000 grant for two years of work. Yay! I'm so happy. Oh my, I'm just like, how are y'all feeling right now? You know, I got to be a part of the process of applying and helping write some of the answers for our grant proposal. And 
I saw how hard women can work when they get together. Mm. Like, just the power of this group of human beings coming together and making something happen and just saying, you know what? We're typically an underfunded um, demographic. Yes. <laughs> so um, we already know that we're working with that against us, but let's go find it. Let's go find it. It's a really hard grant to get to. Um, well, it was through Willamette University, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so this is just going to be life changing, though, for this organization. And we're so young and like so green, but um, it was so empowering to see that they saw in us what we see in our own. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. it's so funny. I, I wrote my very first grant and got a $15,000 grant for the first time. And I it was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They, like, they see you. They see yeah, you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, shit, I got to do something. <laughs> You're like we are never like lacking in ideas and no, no. directions we want to go. But yes, it was that moment of like Julianne called me, so they had a group chat and I was in the middle of a live video for work and so I couldn't get on the call. And so they Julian's like, Call me and don't get in the group chat. Don't look at it. I wanna to talk to you and I was like, What is going on? Right. And I just felt like my face just went, uh <laughs> Huh? Did you say fifty thousand dollars? Like Yeah. Like, Yes. I hope that I can help in any way in your guys' journey. I just want to support you and just the fact that you're coming out of Salem, black women doing the thing, just leading the way. And I just feel like there's there's some, and this happens to do directly with our our topic. You know, what we have done as women and black women specifically, mixed women right there, having to do and carry everything that we carry on a daily basis and show up and then having people who are just like um like coming to the awareness of our existence in in real terms and not even like in exact real terms but like in more open terms in a way um and i just feel like with the work that you've just done it's not, it's, it's, I mean, we can say it's the same, but it's not the same. It's like, it's really everything that had to happen, not only personally, but professionally. And, and then on top of it, this is like black joy is not your guys' number one uh, thing that you're doing. All you guys have daily jobs and all you have like, right. And so now it just became a very, a very, very tangible, very real thing. And on top of it, all of the other, uh, um, I don't want to say wait, but like all of the other realities of your life are still at play and it is not average in you in Oregon, in Salem. It's not average for black women to be doing what you're doing. And that's the thing is that we are all so in, engrossed in this and uh, invested in this, but we also have other areas that we do also invest ourselves. Right. Each and every one of us individual women has our own like niche or chunk of our community that we also help out yeah not that black joy isn't like you know my primary of course no again like you said we're working human beings a lot of us have partners a lot of us have children Mm -hmm. a lot of us you know have other things that we're invested in i have my other group that i also help coordinate and run sit in salem um i personally do local theater and other things like i mean we're also human beings outside of being black right so you know we also have things that we just love as we are yes um fashion modeling all of it all all the artwork music 
already said music. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's I'm important. Getting, like running through the Black Joy ladies in my head. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I do this conversation. I do uh, training and conversations for folks. You know, anti like racism and race and diversity and inclusion. And it's interesting that my pod. I, I've been like thinking about my Instagram specifically, and I'm like, I really need to like make it more about the work I do, less than about who I am and what I think about as a person. And I thought about that and I was like, cause so, I had some people in my, that came and has hired me for, um, for the conversations and for training different groups and they joined my Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they don't see it as an opportunity to look at what they, they're looking at black lives and black women and black people politically and they don't think they are until they're but they're reading the books and they're going this is what we're doing we're reading books we're reading books as if there's not a life there's not like real life happening in between those lines of those books and so when you look at my instagram i've had people say that they thought that perhaps i was like too black centered to be a good trainer not understanding that they just missed the opportunity to see black this and my in my natural form that they I'm I'm giving you the opportunity to watch it happen. Yeah. It's not about you. Yeah. It's an opportunity to learn about a black perspective in the Pacific yeah. Northwest and about the the things that that this black girl from Eugene, you know, uh, has to say. But then I thought, well, maybe I should switch it around and do these. And I thought, I know. And we will always second guess ourselves as black women. We will always do that. Because not only do we have the pressure of, you know, this activism versus real life balance. That's it. Which is dumb because my activism is innate in who I am. Every day. I fight for my life meaning something. You know, it's not, I don't see it as a separation. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the difference too, is that like when allies and other folks or people who are trying to become allies and trying to understand come to these events and come to these tables, they get to put their sign down. Mm-hmm. They get to take off their Black Lives Matter shirt. So for us, it's, it's it doesn't feel like we're like infusing our life with blackness. Right. We are black. Yeah. But from the outside looking in, they see well, why is it all blackness? It's like, that's who I am. We are finally like <laughs> yeah. speaking our mind, putting our voice out there. Right. Don't ever take it off. It's not a every weekend when we're not busy with work. Right. It's during the week when we're busy with work. So real talk here. My husband and youngest child just got in a really bad wreck yesterday on I-5. Oh my God. Is everybody like, okay? They're, they're okay. Okay. They're alive. But like, I'm here. Yeah. But like, yeah. That's part of who. My life is still just like anybody else's. Like, crap can happen. Yes. You know? Yes. Things can go wrong. Things can go south. We can have good days. We can have bad days. Yes. We deal with mental health. We have all of the challenges that every other person of privilege has. We just have a different cultural background. Right. Know? And a different experience because of the discrimination or racism that we've been brought up around and this is this is the thing the strength it takes and and I don't know and I want to talk about that a little bit because I think I feel like even with what you just said and I was thinking about all the personal things that are coming in my life 
right now with my sister and my parents and like people are moving and people are sick and you know and then we've got like other things going on and, and um and I had and we'll talk about it and I, and I went on a spiritual retreat and I actually got some really profound information from my retreat and I came back and my daughters were like you seem different and I'm like shit's about to be different around here right? <laughs> but what it was was like I just want to say for that moment that like what you just said and I know people do this they go to work they have things happen at home they come back to work we do our thing um, and, and I think we need to speak to that because that's what we're talking about with this mental health. People want really quickly to, to put on top of like, well, I did that. I have that too. I have that. But then there's like, then there, and then there's racism, right? And the problem with the, then there's racism is that the expectation that you show up is not given with a soft glove of like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe they'll give you the, Take a day off and take a time, take, do some self-care. But we know that we've got a limited time to take that. And if we try to extend on that, it's not because we are uh, because we are grieving. It's because we're incapable all of a sudden. Or we are, we are taking advantage. Or we are doing all of these other things. And so on top of having to just like do our day, we're also constantly negating what it is that we're having to deal with outside of just showing up, right? And and it is those microaggressions, those things that have been really plugged into our society that essentially force us to worry about how we're presenting. It's that coding. It's that, um, again, yeah, negating your own value and your own worth and your own presence. And it's this very subversive strain of racism in my opinion it, and it affects our mental health and our black community more intensely than anyone realizes that that's um, the problem that 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 idea that that racism is not a mental health issue that i mean meaning that like the having to deal with it and and projecting it right but yeah. institutionally it's just it's complicated but having to deal with it um and and that part of the stress and we talk about like I've been doing a lot of perinatal work and a lot of healthcare work around racism and we don't with racism not being a health a health issue in society like being considered in health issues in society it's negating our our weight gain it's negating our diabetes heart heart uh, pressure um, maternity you know rates the morbidity all of those things there's this amazing doctor on Instagram, and I wish I knew his name off the top of my head. I don't right now, but um, it's this young man who is, I think he's re fairly recently graduated, but he does a series on people throughout history who have been black and or BIPOC um, and have affected the way that healthcare is. And one of the big things he talks about is skin issues, mm. acne, um, scarring, rashes, Lyme disease, things like that mm -hmm. don't look the same on black skin as they do on white skin. Mm -hmm. And once again, something as simple as our healthcare, simple, right. <laughs> basic, right. basic necessity, like our healthcare is not even built around any kind of diversity or representation. Right. Doctors are trained with cisgendered white healthcare in front of them. That's right. And that is that is their model. And so, of course, even if they're the most upstanding citizen, right? Even if they're trying so hard to be an ally, that is how they were educated. Mm -hmm. That's right. We have to create a channel to educate people 
in a different way, and that includes mental health care. I've been trying to find a person of color who is a counselor mm, mm-hmm. for months now, yeah. and they keep trying to refer to pe- me to me to people who have like Hispanic sounding names or something. There's no like way yeah. to reach out and say, "Hey, I need to talk with someone who gets it." Yeah, yeah. I need to speak with someone who understands. Yes, you know. I've had the last couple sessions that I've done, um, I did one for my birthday with the ladies, and it was like, we were talked about, we talked about a, a counselor and how, how inappropriate she was with me, and how I had to fire, we had, I had to go, right? But then we learned, there was like, I've, I've met three women who were like, I'm about to graduate, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be a therapist, and there's three black women, right? And we're just like, you already booked, you realize that, right? <laughs> You, yeah. you you already did. Months out. <laughs> then I also think about like those counselors. That's their job. They wear that. They bear that weight on top of bearing the weight of their generational trauma. That's right. And so there also needs to be something where we have some form of allyship in mental health. Oh. You know, I would love to be able to speak to a person. I don't necessarily care that they are of color. Yes. But I would love for them to try and understand. Go look. You know, look. I'm like, I got my eyes because I'm like, look, let me see it. Because, no, 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 because this is what, you're, you're touching me right here because this is what I've been thinking about. I'm like, why, it's, it's, it's this like, damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario because we need black, we have one doctor, like, phys- like family physician in this whole area of Eugene. She, j- one retired, one showed up. And she's already booked and closed. Can't no because everyone's running to her, right? This is the thing. That's not that's that's good, and that's not. That's like she has to hold the whole world of BIPOC people on that one pair of shoulders, right? And the thing is, is that like if we are not just like with with what happened to those uh, to the Asian folks in Atlanta, if we are not looking at white folks and saying white folks do better, not not black folks, what can you do? And excellent, right? It's like, can we, can we like share the burden of knowledge here? Share the burden of, of compassion? Education, yeah. Right? Because it doesn't have to be on the shoulders of everybody. But so when we want to talk, you guys, you can't have it both ways. We can either bridge this, right? And, and you need to learn and, and listen to who's teaching you, right? Or, or we need to say, we can't work together. That doesn't make sense, right? Like not, we can't, at this point, that doesn't make sense. So we, yeah. we're going to need people who are a privilege to step into the roles to take some of the burden off not necessarily and that means you got to get up to speed <laughs> right you got to do extra work this is night school like you got to do day school night school weekend school like you need to get in it and the truth of it is it's not about the books we we're talking about lived experience here we're talking about in the trenches. We need some. You, we need some reality. And this is like what I thought about when people are talking about my Instagram page, and they're looking at me and they're going, "Oh well, if she's so pro-black, then she must be anti-white." But they've read all the books. How did that disconnect? Yeah, and the the other thing too is that I think so many people of color have been so strong for so long Mm -hmm. and we have put up with so much that is unhealthy in order it's like a the worst toxic unhealthy relationship yeah between 
across racial lines is that we keep coming back and trying to help and trying to educate but then that again puts us as the ones doing the work mm -hmm. and I love my allies I really do I'm married to a white man mm -hmm. like, I, I, I get it mm -hmm. but at the same time it is this additional thing on top of that. And so then when you go to seek mental health services and you have a counselor who's not listening to you and saying, wow, this is an experience. You know, again, if you got to a car crash and you said, I was really scared, they're not like, well, you had airbags. You should have known you were fine. You'd be safe. That's not what you say to someone who is undergoing or has experienced trauma. Right. It's the same exact thing with racism. And it's the way that allies need to speak with us. It's the way that mental health care professionals and doctors need to speak with us. There is a toll that being a victim of racism takes on the physical body. That's why one of the things Black Joy pushed for was um, them actually officially stating that racism is a public health crisis. Right, that's right. That, that is what, that's the major push right now. Mm -hmm. that, that needs to be the major push for all of us. Yeah. Racism is a public health crisis and it has always been. It's too evidential, right? It's too evidential. And, and, it, it, you literally can put your hand on it. The problem is that they nobody want to name where it's coming from, right? And that's yeah. the issue. Yeah. So what yeah. made you want to do this conversation? I mean, obviously we're sitting here just talking about it, but what was it that made you like, I, I need to talk about this right now? So I went through, um, I, I have clinical depression, mm -hmm. okay? So I mental health has been something I have dealt with, worked with, worked through, gone through, all, all, all up in it, right? Variety. Yeah. Um, since I was about 16 years old, um, and I never saw a black woman who was not this powerful beast of a queen. Um, <laughs> I love that description. Like wearing that crown and owning it. And so when I struggled with my mental health, and I already didn't have a great image of like who I was as a black woman, I didn't feel confident in that, but. A whole other layer to it was that I didn't realize that black women fall apart. Mm. And a couple for the last couple weeks, I have fallen apart. Right. I have allowed myself to kind of break into the pieces. I need, and I know it's headed towards growth. I know that. And like I've done the work and been blessed enough to have the people around me to help me do the work to get to the headspace that I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was not always the case throughout my life. And there, there are people and individuals who don't have a community of really strong amazing black women or people who look like them so not even just black let's say in the asian community right now you know people who are experiencing trauma and constant you know separation in our culture and in our society um it's often really hard to call out and like ask for help and talk about it so mm -hmm. i just like immediately thought of the idea, I'm like, what if somebody, I don't know, someone who needs this tunes in and sees me and Aisha, just two black women yeah, right. talking about mental health and not making it a stigma. Right. How powerful is that action just right there? Um, because one thing that's been like really remarkable, I took like two weeks and just allowed myself to not commit to anything, nice. not show up, not have to be there, mm -hmm. not have to be the one leading the group, not have to be the one like taking the first action, you know, volunteering my time, because honestly, usually that's what I do. Yes. Yeah. You're the first on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, first responder, let's go. You know, yeah. Like, All right. Okay. I'll pack bags for this. Okay. I'll do this. I'll do that. Um, and I allow myself to just like slow down and like kind of collapse a little bit and mm -hmm. then really see where my true support was. And it was life altering. 
Wow. So this was over a couple months' time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just going, you know what? I can't do that. I, I, I'm hurting. I'm scared. I'm new to this whole being confident in my cultural identity thing. I also have mental illness and we're in a pandemic. Like, right. All of this is happening and these are all real feelings and real emotions and real experiences. And I need to stop negating that because I'm right then and there, I'm allowing white supremacy to win. Okay, so with that being said, I, I'm gonna like, I had this, I don't, I'm not diagnosed with a mental health illness or disorder or, or anything technically, <laughs> right? I'm not, I've not been diagnosed of anything like this, but I've, I've had exactly what you've described in terms of the moment where the black woman scenario or expectation was not enough and could not have been enough and I had done everything I could to save the people around me because that's what as a mother as a black woman as a leader as a the center of your household that's what you do right um and being in Eugene uh I just realized the other day when I was assaulted by police officers and my son um, was having his uh, a crisis and and all of that happened. I just realized it was almost it, it'll be six years in July, and it is like freaking yesterday. And the thing about it is, it's not. I say it's like yesterday, but the truth of it is, is that it took me four years to recover. Mentally, I had a horrible concussion. Physically, it took me two and a half years of physical therapy to get back to, to basically normal, and I don't, I still don't have my right side does not is not as strong as my left. It will never. If I lift on one side and the other, it's remarkably different, right? Um, and I've and my family has been broken down that we had to repair back up. We had to repair each other. It left scars on my children. It left scars on me physically and mentally, right? So I did the same thing you did. I went to all of these people who were healers. I went to spiritual healers. I went to cranial sacral. I went to energy work. I did therapy. I, you know, I was like, I, cause I'm the type of person I go right into the pain. I'm like, how? Put the knife in deeper so I can know every single inch that happened so it will never happen again, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it was such a time where those healers, all of them were white, right? But none of them none of them were were burdened with the idea of of our race there was they were they were available for me as a woman who was broken right so they were the practitioners that we're talking about where i don't i did not have to race does not was not a conversation i had to have with them we they understood on top of everything i'm doing I also have to look for an acupuncturist who's not racist. I have to also look for a physical therapist who's not racist. I have to look for, and so it's like, oh, when they're looking at my body, are they looking at it like I can feel pain or not feel pain? Yeah. And so everyone that, that came into my circle, my physical therapist, my acupuncturist, my cranial sacral, we're all friends to this day. They, they came to my court date. They, they were there for hours for free. They were like, this is an atrocity. This, they understood I was lucky I was lucky and in four years time I was able to heal and then in two years after that was able to take it 
and then hopefully teach from it, right? But this is not, this is not normal. Yeah. This, that is not a normal situation. I had all of the universe and all of the energy and all of the positivity pointing these people to me. And when I talk to them, they are just as exhausted as we are talking to other people to get the understanding. Because they're like, I don't have anyone to send. I can't send people to anybody else. Yeah. I, I have to do it all because there's no. So they, these are white folks who would never to say it out loud because they understand their privilege. But they will. They, they have created opportunity. They have, they, they have created access. They are, they are open resourced, right, to us. And the only reason that I was so fortunate to line them up is because we knew a person who knew a person who they were, it was yeah. a... Yeah, and it should not be It that shouldn't way. be that way. And, and here's another thing too, and this has like been my takeaway from this entire experience. I decided that self-care is radical anti-racist work. <laughs> I just decided that. Mm-hmm. But that is my claim, is that when I am caring for myself and being honest about my mental health and like just being transparent and creating a different dialogue than that, um, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? This is going to bug me. Anyway. <laughs> It'll pop up. For the, for the stigma yeah. of black women not falling apart. I'm like, you know what? They have taken my history. They do not get to take my future. Yeah. And I get to define how I want to fight what they're fighting. And sometimes it's with me taking a break and saying, it's your work. Oh, it's you know. your work to do. It is. It is. It absolutely is. And what I've learned is that, um, I mean, I'm older now. And I think that really does matter. Because the one thing I, I really do know, really like in my core and in my heart, that I don't have to explain myself. And, right? And so when I, when I look at you, not you, but when I look at my provider, and, and you can't meet me where I'm at, and we, you can't see the reality of the world for a woman of color, I just excuse myself immediately, right? Yeah. But yeah. living in Eugene, Oregon, you, it's a very lonely place. Well, and then what do you do? Especially, like, if you're like, look, I am lonely. I need someone to talk to. What do you do also when you know that your other friends who may or may not be of color but also are burdened with that same thing, you know, especially if they are sympathetic, empathetic humans who are trying to be there for you as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. That's when it... This is when when our humanity shows up, right? Mm -hmm. Because... And this is when the humanity shows up. It's not really about... It's not really about anything other than the fact that I see you in this moment, and we're not gonna call on her. We're gonna leave her be. Why, why? Because she gets to have that moment. No more questions, no more asks, we're moving on. There doesn't need to be this like, I need to write my letter to the principal so they can give permission so that I can be, so that I can try to have self-care while I'm feeling guilty. But like, it doesn't, that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it make sense. Right, um, and really, I think about the time when um, when I tried to return to work um, after the concussion, after the the beating, um, after the court case. Uh, actually, after I had been, uh, I was out of work for three months after we got beat up. I couldn't walk, and I and my son was in the hospital, and I I just I couldn't come back, go back to work. Lots of stuff happened, right? Um, and when I did return to work, I remember 
I was um, at the time a family coach and that we had a team of people that worked together. Um, and I had lots of friends, well, I knew lots of people around, you know, because I worked there forever. So uh, when I got back, one person acknowledged my return. One person. And he did it in such a beautiful way. He literally just brought me, like, he, he would always be, he's kind of known for, like, Converse and really, really expensive, nice coffee, right? So he just brought me, on my desk when I got there, there was just a cup of coffee. And I knew who it was from because it was in this beautiful cup and it was like the most best smelling coffee ever. And I was just like, and that's it. He wasn't going to bur burden me with, with oh, oh, woo, woo, woo. But what was missing was the recognition from anyone in my, in my uh, cohort to just say welcome back, to just say, to pat me on my shoulder and just be like, we missed you. Any of that for months. It never, matter of fact, not for months, it never happened. From my cohort to my to anyone, I spoke to my supervisor, and she's like, "Well, how are you doing?" And I was like, "You know what? <laughs> I feel shaky. I was like shaking inside for weeks because it wasn't just that I was trying to come back to work, but I felt like I was coming back to work as a specimen. And then all of a sudden, I was like, and people, you know what happened in that moment? Instead of being seen for all the things I just went through, racism on top of that, the excuse would happen for everyone else." Yeah. I was supposed to just realize that they might not know what to say to you. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I mean, you just gonna accept that it's like uncomfortable. Yeah. For the fuck who? Who is it uncomfortable for? And why do I have to, why do I have to negate their damn feelings? Stop being so, and, and again, there are ways that I have to be an ally too. I am not every single color of Right. There right. are cultural and religious and different identities that people have that Absolutely. I can't understand. But I'm going to come to them with the attitude that they are a fellow human being and that is it. Humanity. Humanity at that level. Now, of course, you've got to know that each person is going to have a lot of complex things. Now, when you see someone who is in a different cultural or religious or whatever situation than you, and you want to comfort them, think about yourself. Think about how you would love to be treated, but then also realize, I have some privileges that they don't, and so I need to try and meet them where they're at. And that's the second stage of, of allyship, I think. And I think that's where we're at. It's been a year. It's been a year since these huge actions, since these huge marches, and we're still pushing for change. But the other hard thing is, is a lot of us are burnt out because we've been raising our voice for decades, mm. centuries even, mm. and we are not able to give a whole lot more right now. And we need to see other those people who stand with those signs, we need to see them in their everyday life with those tiny decisions or those tiny choices showing their allyship through action. This is this is the this is what I'm preaching all my trainings is that yes we're at a corporate level but i'm talking to you as people and the thing about it is is humanity that part of it is that that's what's taken away when we bring in race for black people for people of color for bipoc folks is all of a sudden now we're talking about being indigenous and now it's not humanity it's an, it's, yeah. it's other thing it's, it's this political it's this other like little it's policy right right hot topics yes you know, it's it's ooh, trigger trigger points and I get that I understand the desire for sensitivity and the how much people hate discomfort we are naturally rigged not to like discomfort but the discomfort is coming because of a situation that was put out there by white people already mm. and it is not our responsibility to then sugarcoat the consequences of those actions and it 
sucks. Well, and just like I have generational trauma from being part of a line of enslaved people and people who've experienced discrimination and oppression, I have that same burden that I carry. Mm-hmm. That discomfort may be the burden that is carried right now, but we can change it if we just stop treating each other like that's not a part of who we are instead of being a part of, oh, it's just politics and it's just a point point of view. This is my point when I talk about, when I think about having to relate to white folks um, in a, in when it comes to my when it comes to my vulnerability, right? And I do it well because I am I have high I have high humanity. And the tr- the thing about it is is that if you're thinking about black people and you think, well, I don't know black people. I I don't want to be a racist, but I don't know black people. I don't have any black people around me. That's really beside the point. <laughs> Right, and the, the the part that's beside the point is that we're black people are human beings, right? With a condition that's happening to come from that that's being oppressed by white supremacy and the the uh, you know um, white supremacy industrial complex, the the whole industrial racism, I mean structural racism, all of it's there. It doesn't you don't need to know a black person to understand. That to understand that oppression, like to see, like, like step back, critically think, think. But this, this idea that when you're thinking about our lived experience, when you're just thinking about it, what happens is a bunch of like, I want to save them, I want to help them, as if we don't have the answers on our own. But at the same time, that we that there's this there's this like disconnect of like they're so strong, they're not strong enough. They're so they're so independent. They, c- they clearly can't figure it out. They're so like okay. Wh- what are we doing here? And then the humanity part of it is that if you see me as a human being, and I am in pain, it doesn't. When does the the fact that I'm a black woman in pain stop you from being kind? Yeah. When does it stop you from b- giving me the consideration of space? For my mental just, health. If someone is tough, okay, like I'm, I'm on tough MF. Like right. I've been through it, right? But I'm not hard. Yes. Yeah. Not everyone you come across is going to process things the same way, and the color of their skin does not change that fact about them. So right. you've got people who, you know, like they want to have someone just talk to them straight right and then there are also people who are very sensitive who need a different interpretation and that's the thing is if you if you close your eyes and you think okay i want to help this person what do i know about them how can i get to know them so that i can help them every doctor every friend every person every professional should be doing that right i believe that that's a facet of humanity that we have we're really taken for granted yeah and stopped utilizing like i love getting to know people that's right so cool to me if they don't agree with me Okay, well, we don't understand something, or they don't know a word I use, or whatever. Whatever you have, you go. Okay, you're a fellow human. I'm gonna share myself with you. We're gonna connect. I mean, and honestly, it doesn't even have to be that big. You know how smiling works, and a, a nice nod, and a or, or a good morning. Oh, yeah. You know, those things work. It doesn't have to be a big. It's just you know, yeah. acknowledgement of my existence yeah. is a, it's just a very kind thing to do. Good morning. Hope you have a wonderful day looking at me while you say it that actually will clear up lots of things <laughs> you know what I mean? that will clear up a very very big cloud of like i don't know i'm uncomfortable you're uncomfortable someone says good morning how you doing and we're like good morning 
How are you? Like, I'm good. You know, if you come into a conversation and you're sitting and you're like, look, I'm ordering my coffee. You're, you're a barista. I know you're having a hard day. You work in the service industry. I don't care what color you are. You work as a barista. You have a really tough <laughs> job, okay? You're not <laughs> for cranky people. <laughs> I mean, again, just... It's not, it doesn't take a miracle. It doesn't, it's not hard. And, but I've noticed, what I've noticed lately walking through is that um, I can tell the Trump people who are pissed and who now have put their flags away and put their clothes back together and now they're not wearing, their, they're not, the QAnon is not across their chest. They, they just don't speak to me now. Like I'm getting copy and, no, and they ain't talking to me. I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's yeah. happening here. Oh, you yeah. just don't I like black folks. I was with my beautiful little non-binary child who I let do whatever they want because they are their own individual human being. Mm -hmm. Like, they can wear a dress. Their hair is pink. Do not stare at my child just because they are an individual. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And then decided they need to, well, they had their mask down, of course, and then decided to pull it up and it's a Trump 2020. And I was like, what do you think you've improved by that? <laughs> oh, no, it's a statement. And I'm saying congratulations. And <laughs> I go to Costco and that happens. It's mm -hmm. those microaggressions. And so for our allies who are trying to balance it out with micro, like, non-aggressions. Balance it with micro love. <laughs> but this is interesting yeah. because when we were talking about how we were doing our, how we were doing this conversation and we were going to talk forward about purpose in mental health, oh, yeah. right? Now, this is what's interesting for me is that that, that whole situation in 2015 uh, was devastating. And matter of fact, it, that's just was when the cops beat us up. The injury and, and, and my divorce and my child, my other child's injury that led her in ICU and all that, that was 2014. So it was like going forward. And then I got beat up by the cops in 2015. And then we kept going forward and there's all kinds of other stuff that happened after that. We got the court date, we got the depositions, we got all the abuse that happens to all the victims until you find out that your jury is absolutely racist and says, you know, yeah. you being like, and then you, you know, yourself through all of that, uh, thinking you might possibly get justice. Oh no, girl, girl, look, I across the face. No, I was sitting in that courtroom. I say this all the time when people ask me this. I sat in that courtroom and I felt like I was two inches tall with all the cops to my left and all the white jury jurors to my right and this racist judge that was clearly racist when I when I met him I and mean, when I talked to him I was like. And I sat there and I looked at my people and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I literally was like, what? Are you stupid? I just wasted all, I don't, why do I think this is going to work out in my favor? <laughs> These are things that as human citizens, we should not be like, why did I just waste my time trying to advocate for myself? Like that whole sentence that you just said there, right there. Yep. is the whole purpose why I wanted to have this conversation because those kinds of situations are trauma on trauma, on trauma, on trauma. Oh, girl you should have saw me and my son trauma. we were we were just downing CBD we were like go 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 like the whole time <laughs> like we were just downing CBD the whole time it was ridiculous and so um with that though with that uh even afterwards I would see the cop the the, the so-called nice cop um the one who didn't want to beat us up uh, were at the gym all the time and he we would try to ignore each other but of course it was just trauma right but anyway um, coming out of my mental health uh, crisis with my family and my physical mental health and my breaking down the divorce um, the the realization of the divorce like the things that I was going through that I had compromised 
uh, you know, what I had done as an employee, what I had done as a wife, what I had done as a mother, that was not truly to my best interest, but to keep things going, you know, it, it just became such a highlighted reel of, of acquiescing to white supremacy and the lack thereof of, my, of believing in myself in a yes. real way. I mean, I can always say, everyone who will ever, if you've ever met any of my friends from 20 years ago, they'll all say the same thing. Aisha is very strong, right? Aisha is very smart. Aisha is very, these, right? The truth of it is, is that yes, I am strong, but I have been doing, I have never, to this, to the very recent time, be, truly believed in what my strength is, right? Yes. And after the trauma, after my ex-husband, after the police brutality, after my son's, uh, you know, disappearance and recovery, after my daughter's, uh, you know, same thing, um, and grandchildren, and all, and all of a sudden, I'm spun out of this 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 world tornado of trauma and spit out and like, what do you think about that? That's how the universe acts, right? So, <laughs> so when I come, okay, when I come spinning out onto my ass and I'm look, and I'm like disoriented and I'm like, what just happened? And now they go, where's your purpose? And I said, oh, you did you have to be that mean to get my purpose out? <laughs> <laughs> Did it have to be that hardcore? Nudge is nice. You know, like, hey, tap, tap, tap. I wanted to. Not. Right? <laughs> but no, later on, after I. But, yes. No, I needed it to be that strong. I, after, I said, yeah, you're right. You're right. I wouldn't have heard it. That's the hard thing is, like, in order to live the lives that we lead to undergo and experience the things that we have we have to be strong we have to be such strong flexible moldable growable challengeable human beings and so that's where it would it would be so nice if we could be there for each other you know hold space available for anyone if they're in that place yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to agree. I want to agree. And the reason why I'm saying I want to agree is because um, it took me. Like I said, I'm in my 40s. It took me a while to agree to myself. Oh yes, and it's a timely process. It's not an instantaneous thing. And this is what I want to encourage people to understand in this work. And when you're talking about purpose and mental health and purpose, right? Is that you are a process. And the fact is, is that you will always be trying. You're always going to be trying to do the kind thing. You're going to want to bring people in. You're going to want to do those things. But the, tr the, the, the healthiest direction for this is whether or not you are okay with and, and I don't say okay meaning like you can check it off because that's what we do we do the checking quite a bit I could not check the after the trauma and after the realization of me yeah my process was I had to uncheck boxes because I checked those boxes a little too fast exactly and, and giving yourself the time and the space to do what you need Yes. And even if it's not what anyone else understands or what they would need in that situation, also having that confidence and that true strength in yourself. Because I've, I've heard that phrase a thousand times too. Claire, you're really strong. Okay, yes, I'm strong. Yeah. But, but. But. Sometimes I need to 
not be the strongest right now. Sometimes I need to allow myself to look at that strength not while I'm not using it. Well, I look at it I look at it this way. I look at it when you're truly strong, that other side is strength too. It's a boundary. Because when you're strong, that boundary is like, you're like, yeah, I'm strong and I'm that strength is about to go lay down. And I and that's not weak, actually that's strength. Because strength would cause myself to not to not wear myself thin. To let that boundary just go bloop. Yeah. Fall right over. Right. And instead you're like, nope, I'm backing myself up. That's right. I'm holding myself up. I am recognizing my value. I'm recognizing that I matter. I'm recognizing my purpose and that I can't fill anything from an empty cup. That that's it. That's it. I can't give anything back if that's your purpose or whether it's or if it's your family or if it's your mental health you're not going to be able to do those things clearly if you don't give yourself the room to be a human Mm -hmm. and be strong enough to say i need a minute yeah and i i feel like um when you learn how to utilize boundaries um in a in a way that that teaches not only yourself but your children and everyone around you how you respect yourself um it's it's a, i think it's high level right because boundaries are complicated uh, are hard to do until you learn how to do them right yeah um especially and, if you've been taught or brought up not having those respected right or, yeah. yeah yeah exactly like it, i mean it, it is a learned behavior right like you have to learn to do these things and i feel like as you're getting, as you grow through your experiences and you're learning, because not everybody learns. Sometimes pain is so painful it just hurts, and you, it takes time to learn. I mean, there's adults, most adults walking this earth. When we're talking about mental health and therapy, most adults walking this earth are walking around with injured children, like what, meaning that their inner child is injured, right, yeah. and that they have not dealt with their past in order enough to, to like actually see their truth for their for their present and it's yeah. complicated because it, it's like um, like we just said to find a therapist to find someone to walk with you through it in a healed way not like crashing and burning into into some sort of re- revelation I'm not saying that what I did and what my life was was a crash and burn into a revelation it was what had I had to let go of things and I had to things had to be removed from my life in order for me to see me and the things that had to be removed from my life were were how tightly I held on to my children my the 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 ingenuine relationship to my husband the the this you know the the ingenuine relationship to my work like all of these things I had to actually I would have never let them go because I'm a fighter I would have held on until my hand would have been bleeding and so it had to be rinsed open and like let go and luckily I'm one of those people who listened to my life so I never tried to grasp back right I just opened my hand and that like I just said, it was bleeding earlier, right? So there's a wound. So and if you're just going to go and run to the next thing, you're not healing yourself in order to hold it the way it should be held. And so when it comes to being my purpose, I, I thought my, I had purpose most of my life. But when my purpose was tied to white supremacy and how to move throughout it, we, when people don't understand how we operate every day it, as an oppressed society right white folks are oppressed under their ideals of privilege and so this thing about 
meaning that they're mentally not, their privilege is blinding them from reality that's all around them. That is not healthy, right? Yeah. So when we talk about how we, how we move forward with purpose, it's like once you've lost it and you've learned from it, but you've slowed yourself down enough to look at it, you come back and there's something different about you. There's lots of different about you. There's a whole core to you that's like a, a skin has shed. And so with me, for my purpose, luckily I learned that what most of the things that were being told to me that were wrong about me through white, the eyes of white supremacy and the tenets of white culture were that my, my ability to talk and to empathize and to understand simultaneously in a quick fashion, which is not usual, and I process information and can spit information back out in a, in a very concise manner, it's actually a power. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the hardest thing, is finding those, those moments, again, where you realize that, you know, again, racism has taken a lot of things away from me, but it's given me some superpowers. Mm. Um, you know, it's giving, it's, it's, if I can take anything back, I will. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back to that being radical anti-racist work of healing yourself of going, you know what, I'm going to take this a little bit back. Yeah. You know, it took some things for me. Yes. Did that cause me to learn some lessons and find some things out about myself and learn how to, for me, it's about doing for others as well. Mm -hmm. And again, hopefully someday, maybe someone who was in my situation where I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, mm -hmm. 30 years ago, will see that and go, oh, that's a different way to do it instead mm -hmm. of feeling trapped or isolated or alone. Yeah. And if they don't, yeah. that might not be the time or the place that they need to be. You know, maybe I'm not that person, but hopefully someday for someone, yeah. it'll be something. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, we all have our own journey, right? We all have our direction. And um, my ex-husband was white too. It's not like this whole thing about like anti-white, but I've been married twice. My first husband was black, my second husband was white. Um, I don't really have, like when it comes to partnership and friendship, it's really about how we connect on on other levels. Exactly. Ra right. Racism for me has become um, more salient in terms of knowledge and in terms of, of privilege than actual, like obviously, because I believe I'm not into colorism, I don't try to follow white supremacist definitions of what how racist, marginalized communities need to communicate or, or yes. see each other or, or value each other. The value systems I try to get out of, I'm working on very hard to, to not follow the white narrative around how black people show up or how BIPOC exactly. people show up, yeah. right? And we have to like break out of that and like shatter those walls for each other and for ourselves too. I think we have to recognize what it is we're shattering though. Like can you recognize how this I this is white how can you recognize that this is white supremacy when you ask me to and I'm saying to the greater to the greater audience, like when you ask me to uh to conform to what is most comfortable for the institution. Like, uh, do you understand that you're asking me to conform to white supremacy? And I'm in the building because I, I got here on my own volition, right? Like, so, so it's not about whether I can, because clearly I'm here, right? Yeah. It's whether yeah, you want me to do it the way you want me to do it and how you can respect and value what I'm saying when I'm doing that. That exactly. part is the part that, um, 
through my purpose, like what I've learned is that that's actually, you know, my fight is not to fight the person to see me black or to see me um, multicultural. It's not, that's not my, that's actually not my fight. My fight is to teach humanity, is to teach. My fight is to teach through my lived experience and my lived experience is vast. And it has nothing to do what I survived, my strength has nothing to do with the definitions in which I thought I was trying to define or undefine as I was going as I was growing up. Now it's it's me and I get to define it. And that is the part of the purpose that the trauma had to teach me. And every day yeah, and every day that I deal with racist people, um, and racism that's how we, that's how I, I'm not going to say we, that's how I survive, that's how I, my self-care, that's how I survive, is that I now, I really, really try very hard not to take it personally, other people's trauma. And white folks, are, are their privilege has traumatized them in a way that they are, they, it's hard for them to look at themselves. When we see the insurrection, when we see the murders of these people, the Asian women, we see the murders of everyone throughout the United, these random mass shootings, yeah. and we and white folks still can't look at themselves, and that it's is sad. It's really sad, and it is something that I feel like that's how I I feel like I've gone about activism, and this isn't to say like oh I feel bad for white people or no. I've had it so hard or anything like no. that, but acknowledging and recognizing that it's also trauma on their end undealt with unrecognized unacknowledged trauma Mm -hmm. and that they too need to have a tough tough journey coming to a coming to jesus conversation (laughs) it's not going to be at our speed right right we can sure try and accelerate it and we can sure try and move it forward and move that dialogue forward forward and I'm so proud to get to be a part of that. But also recognizing that it's not always an instantaneous thing. This is centuries, centuries of trauma on both sides of the coin. Yeah, and it's not and I want to emphasize Yeah, I want to emphasize what you said. It's I'm not giving white folks an excuse, period, yeah, no. per, at all. Like that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm under, I'm recognizing powerless people, powerless institution parading around as power, and so and, yeah, and it also comes about when folks are afraid that giving the rights, innate rights that other human beings and American citizens deserve, giving them rights only escalates your right to have those rights as well. Mm-hmm. It's not taking something away from you. Empowering other people empowers you as well That's in ways that you don't even see because of your white supremacy. Right. Because of your bias. Right. That you don't even really, you, you have not gotten to see that open mind and see the world from that new fresh respect perspective mm-hmm. because you're still stuck in that. And But it, that's a hard thing to come to when you're angry and you're hurt and you're in the moment being beaten down by that same symptom. Yeah, oh, I mean, the, the truth the truth, and the truth that you're speaking is so loud, um, is that it's like, it's so it's so loud that I, what's, what's fascinating to me is that we as oppressed people are talking about it because it's clear as day and people of privilege can't see it still, yeah. right? And that's the part where it's like, it's like for the fish in the water type of thing, you know? And, um, and in my purpose is that now that I realize 
in a real salient way that there's nothing about them that can tell me about me, right? Because they can't speak for themselves. They, if they have a hard time describing their own culture. So it's that for me, it's like I need, and my purpose is because because I am compassionate, because I am someone who can who can see and read and communicate and float in gray lines, right? That that's my power source is gray, not black and white, but gray. And so for me, my purpose literally is kindness and understanding while I teach so that they and we can all like try to see each other so that when I'm stepping to myself when I'm stepping on my uh, on my own and I'm doing my own thing right that because the reason why I am at this point actually unbothered is because what I see is somebody and other people in this whole illusion of power as like really really sad it needs to be able to come through it's dangerous right yeah. and, but I don't fear it like that's not my that's not my go-to my go-to yeah. I, I, I believe I the read the way I fought previously I absolutely feared it but now it's like you have to at some point get above what get above the screaming right and get above it yeah. and look for what it, what's actually happening here and then go for that and but in a real assured like I don't know. I just I think I've been through it enough. I think I know and feel deeply enough about the sense of humanity that we can actually rise above the the rhetoric of of I, this. I think it's also important for people who are early on in that journey to understand that that they don't have to be there instantaneously. Like, no, that's the whole I'm point. Not where you are. You aren't where I am. I'm not where they are. They that's are right. We are like it's a an entire journey to finding that self-actualization to finding find it to find yes to root getting those roots down and that every single spot on that journey matters so if you're not there yet great if that's not where you think you want to go great go that's, after what you think you need to do and what your purpose is it's about you it's about your own purpose that's the whole that's what exactly thank you that's exactly what i'm saying this is a journey. I like I I this is not this is not something I came to like yesterday. I was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm about. No, this comes from like years and years and years. And I'm living it. And I and I'm conscious of it. Like the whole time it wasn't like I just realized what white supremacy was yesterday. I've been conscious of white supremacy since I was five years old. It's like you have to deconstruct in order to to yep. build, in order to build something new. You have exactly. to deconstruct. Same thing for, for those who are people of color who experience it and those who have been a part of instigating it and mm. everybody in between. And we need to stop thinking like we're stunted or that, you know, we're stuck. Well, maybe you're stuck in a spot because you need to sit on it for a minute. That's it. You, there's something to learn in this moment that you keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Maybe that's <laughs> why you're not moving forward. Right. Maybe you need to be in that for a moment. Right. But again, when you're in the thick of that, and especially if you struggle with mental illness, to being stuck. That's right. Being seen as so negative instead of seeing like, hey, you gotta grow. I remember growing pains when I was a kid. I got an 11 year old and a 13 year old. That's all we have around. Okay. Is growing pains. <laughs> right. Right. And, yeah. And you don't have to be happy. You don't have to be chipper. You don't have to be comfortable. But you gotta acknowledge that. Probably everybody went through this, huh? Yeah. In one way or another, in their own strain. So give grace, give a little patience to yourself and to others, 
And also just let yourself fall apart every once in a while. And find out what your real source of support is. Find out what your real source of strength is in that fall. Because you're falling out for a reason. Remember, you must deconstruct before you can add in. And when you add it in, it's getting closer and closer to your truest self and to your purpose. If you are allowing yourself to fall apart, allow it to happen. Right? And then pick it back up. And then pick it back up. At your own time. At yeah, your own when pace, you're ready. when you're, when ready. you're ready. That's right. Not when you're like dripping sweat off your head. You just got done with something. You had a really, t- you know. Yeah. You know, and I want to say for BIPOC people in Oregon specifically, or not just Oregon, but like the Pacific Northwest, I know what is really difficult for us is that we don't see each other in real time, right? Like I've never met you, but I feel like if we were, if I ever see you, I'm like, yes, Claire, like, right? Yeah, we're friends, right? And so, the, but the truth of it is, is you're in Salem, I'm in Eugene, the folks I want to talk to, you know, next week, you know, Los Angeles, Seattle, these type of, like, Pacific Northwest folks, right? Um, not necessarily Los Angeles, but you know what I'm saying, Seattle and all that. Um, I just want to put two cents out when we don't have the, the therapies that we're, the therapists that we're looking for, and we don't have the the girlfriend nights that we, that we need, and we don't have um, men who and partners who are also doing this deep work right like i really have an issue with that's a whole other podcast right there look i have a a partner who's not cult you know yes i i have girl look i've been single for four and a half years like no no interaction with that and i'm and i'm a, a cis a heterosexual woman i have not had any contact or interest in four years, and you know why? Because when you do this deep work, right, and you are on the, you need to have, you can't work with other people who don't, meaning on an intimate level. Like, and and the idea of having uh, how how easily approachable and how easily accessible therapy and self-work is for men and for part, and, and not necessarily even men, but for uh, partnership, I don't know what that conversation looks like on that side. I just know how deeply it means to yes. me. And also, again, it's another thing that I hope in the future we see in the mental health world, in the realm of like relationship counseling and things like that, that that's something that is studied and is brought to the forefront and is an actual included part of the education of doctors, mental health care, of counselors, of people in the workplace, all of it. I mean, because I can only talk, I because my partnership is a hetero heteronormative um, partnership. It's a heterosexual partnership. If if I were to have one, and for so that's what I speak to is that I I don't I mean that shit is not normalized in that community for men for men it's not and which means you know single life for me is okay because I it's just that idea of like we've got so much to work out but what I started out saying. I want all of us BIPOC folks in the Pacific Northwest who are looking and, and searching, I just want to put out there that even when you feel like you're alone, we are here in energy out here for you. We are in this together and I want to value your process and I do. And I just want, when we're all by ourselves, like just imagine that you have sisters in Eugene. Imagine you have sisters in Salem right imagine that you have a sistership in portland that is so big that all you see is afros and locks and curly hairs to to the eye you know to the eye can see right the rainbow and brown all the way through like just imagine it 
because we're here for you, right? The long braids, the BIPOC folks, I just want to put that out there. We are out here, and whether or not we can see and touch each other, it's it's clearly it's a it's a struggle for all of us. We know that that's a hard that's a hard ask is to see and touch each other here. A lot of us are hiding from from our everyday. You know, we go black people are here, which is fair, right? But in these moments, I just want to say that you have sisters in Eugene, you have sisters in Medford, you've got sisters in Salem. You know. Um, and that's how this came about. Like, that's when I messaged you. I was like, you know what? Aisha's my friend. She's my sister. We got this. I feel like this is on my heart. I need to talk about it. She'll be down. You know, oh, yeah. That's the kind of network we create. That's it. My phone is dying. I'm so sorry. I know. We're about battery power. Amateur move, Claire. <laughs> no, but we're, we're about a little past an hour anyway, so we're good. But I wanted to really, like... Um, this is my uh we have carl richardson who is my dad uh he put a comment yeah uh as values versus circumstances consciousness imposed limitations create perceptions of fear and everyone has become uh the isness of american business (laughs) sadly yeah the fear well the industrial complex like that if it, if it wasn't based on fear of each other and fear of, of, the, of our potential and actually seeing our actual inner strength, it would all fall apart. We, if we yeah. didn't have that fear, we would actually be able to see each other and how would it ever survive? And, and it's just, and when you do get to see that in others, it's just amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And um, I hope in the next year, I want to be able to say it's not rare, but I don't know that it is and isn't. So I'm not going to speak yeah. to it because I, I feel like a lot of people jump to to check that box and be like, "Oh yeah, I've got it. I'm spiritually woke," and then bam. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I won't be checking that off till I'm 105, but okay. Oh right, right. And so this is like a okay. I mean, I I have a a nonprofit kids for the culture, and we just did a a, a um a committee with children because they're going to advise the programming, right? We're going to, the middle schoolers and high schoolers are going to advise the programming. And we had, um, we were all talking about the same thing. I'm 44, the, my niece who's the president is 25, and these girls were between 12 and 14, and we all have the same story. That's what I'm saying when this is a process. Yeah. Yep. Right? Okay? We all have the same experiences, and those are generationally different, right? So, so we got a lot of work to do, and that, and when it comes to mental health and purpose, same thing. It all ties in. It all ties in. Like, let's not let white supremacy and and the ignorance of of the privilege that's been bestowed upon uh, upon folks blind us to the to the reality of what this really is about. This is generational. Yeah. That means we don't get to stop. <laughs> yeah. We we get to keep going, and then my kids get to keep doing the work after that. That's right so on and so forth and and hopefully we keep bringing each other up and allowing this to be a conversation take time to talk about it because that in itself is therapy exactly that right there again radical anti-racist work equals self-care yes black girl from eugene right (laughs) get to talk about it talk about it talk about it all right well claire you know i love you And I'm so glad you brought this subject to me and we could do this together and we could do yes. it again and again. I, this, you know this summer is coming up with a lot of anniversaries, so it's about to be popping. Again, mm-hmm. if y'all don't follow Black Joy Oregon, they're about to do some big stuff. So, yes. yeah, so Starting get... Back up. Next weekend is the first touring weekend 
Um, all of the locations that we're headed to um, are going to be on our web page or Facebook page, I believe. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately will not be going on this leg because it is my fourth anniversary with my husband. So, <laughs> Congratulations! Um, I will not be on that leg. <laughs> However, the amazing other women and folks of Black Joy will be there. So that I'm, I'm so excited for all of you and I'm excited for your four year anniversary congratulations um, <laughs> yes so uh, keep an eye out Black Joy Oregon um, support 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 this last year was just the beginning of the introduction to knowing what was happening this year everyone's gearing up and get doing you know creating the real work and it's just gonna flow for the next I mean we got like I said we got generational work to do so let's yeah. jump on it together uh, let's let's meet us where we're at. If you're not there, it's okay. You're here now, right? Let's work yeah. it through. Work it through. Work through your shit so we can all be together on this page yeah. together, right? Onward and upward. Onward and upward. All right, girl. We're going to end it there. Thank you so much, and I love I can't wait to talk to you again. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for doing all of this. I just appreciate the heck out of you. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, girl. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.